Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. Before we jump into today's episode, just want to go over a couple of things. We do have a ton of topics uh, to cover today. Uh, one of them being that it was announced right before we started recording that cards are going to start dropping from Series 5 and Series 4 down to the lower series or pools. Uh, we only had enough time to cover this for a couple of minutes at the end of the episode, so we'll try to cover more of that topic in the future. Uh, it does sound like from uh, information in the Discord, Twitter, etc., that another patch is being targeted for January 31st. That patch will include the battle mode, the highly anticipated uh, friendly battle mode. Um, other than that, it will be targeting probably some more nerfs and buffs to cards. Uh, and it will be the day that the cards drop from Series 5 and Series 4 down to Series 4 and Series 3. So a lot to look forward at the end of the month. They did kind of stipulate that if you know there's a bug found or an issue, they may delay that. But at least for now, you can mark your calendars January 31st. We are going to be getting a ton of updates to Marvel Snap. With all that being said, and without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. And boy, we have an episode for you today. We have uh, four major topics we'd like to cover, and there is a lot to say on what is changing and what is new and what is the latest in Marvel Snap this week in January. I am joined by a first-time guest, uh, another contributor to MarvelSnapZone.com, Bradsifer. Bradsifer, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, uh, we, we've been chatting about a couple different topics over the last day, and I think we have a great episode lined up for, for all the listeners out there. But before we jump into our topics, as always, with when we have a first-time guest, we want to just give you a minute or two to kind of uh, introduce, yourself, introduce yourself to the listeners, uh, your background in gaming, what you're doing for Marvel Snap Zone, and why you love Marvel Snap. Yeah, so uh, my name is Brad, otherwise known as Brad Sifer. Um, I come from a huge background of other card games. I started out with Yu-Gi-Oh! as a kid, um, and then uh, played that competitively for a few years. Transitioned over to Magic um, about five, six years ago, and I've been doing that ever since. And then when Marvel Snap came out, I was like, oh, cool, it's another card game. Seems easy to kind of pick up and get into. Um, so I've been doing that since. As far as for Marvel Snap Zone, um, I write articles uh, when I get the chance, and I primarily try to serve as a, a video editor um, and things like that, because that's typically my background. Um, but otherwise, the magic side of it, I also do stuff for like other things under .gg, which is actually who owns Marvel Snap Zone, uh, and the PlayX Network, uh, Playing Pioneer, and things like that. I do articles over there as well for magic, and I'm on the Pioneer Perspective, which is a podcast all about the Pioneer format in Magic the Gathering. So that's typically what I go with. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I had some people at my job today uh, playing some some magic in person. I know a lot of people are playing it digitally these days, but uh, yeah. some of them have bought some uh, some of the kind of pre-constructed decks and they were, they were having a great time during lunch. So, uh, Are they playing a commander. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. We are glad to have you here. We hope to have you back another time in the future. So, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, we do have four major topics. We're going to talk new card this week. Uh, we will talk new location, new featured location this week. We will then follow that by the patch notes, which dropped today at, uh, at the time we're recording, which is January 10th. And then we will talk something that was actually just announced right before we started recording, which is cards dropping from series five and series four to lower series or pool. So a lot to talk about. Let's dive right into Sauron. Sauron is the new card this week. Uh, Sauron is kind of this pterodactyl looking creature. It is a three cost, three power card with the ability on reveal Remove the abilities from all ongoing cards in your hand and deck. Uh, I'll just say this is a very interesting ability, uh, very unique. Um, I think the only other card we have right now that's really kind of like ripping off abilities or, or kind of clearing text off cards is Leech, uh, which we've seen a lot of play uh, with lately. Yeah. Um, but this is obviously just for your own card, so you're trying to do it intentionally. So. Give me your, uh, before we dive into kind of some synergies maybe with this card, talk to me about your general impressions. What are your thoughts just uh, seeing this card come into the game? Um, it's a card that I like a lot. I think it's uh, 
probably tied for me for the one that I see to be the most impactful out of this uh, batch for this season coming out. Um, I don't really see it being worth it to me to just jump in and like just go ahead and get it for the 6,000 tokens uh, unless you really, really love playing that type of deck, which would be like a zero type of deck. Um, but I think it might give a nice little buff to that archetype as a whole. Um, obviously helping out things with like, uh, what's it called? Um, the, uh, the one seven I'm blanking out. Uh, the, Ebony, uh, Ebony Maw. Ebony Maw. Yeah. I knew it was one of the, the dark children, whatever they call it in the uh, MCU. Uh, but yeah, like doing that and turning off your ongoing effects, you don't want to worry about like Typhoid Mary and stuff like that. Uh, but otherwise, it's kind of niche um, until we get more cards with negative downsides as an ongoing ability, which we really only have two at the moment. You can technically count Lizard as one of those as well, um, but it's so three. Uh, but until then, Red, Red Skull cool. as well. So Red Skull as well. Four. You're right. Yep, um, and, but then that's a deck you want Sherry as well. So they kind of the, there's a decent amount of tokens being put into that. Yeah. But, Go ahead. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, otherwise, it's a cool card. I just don't see it being insanely impactful, like something like, you know, Silver Surfer uh, or Bast, even, um, or like, of course, uh, the newest one from this season. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, sometimes with other card games, you create specific words or keywords that have like abilities, right? So you see these keywords on lots of cards. Now, I'm not saying we don't have that with Marvel Snap. We have, we have things that are on reveal, we have ongoing. You know, uh, things like that. Um, you know, we have cards that do things with destroy, things that do um, things with discard, etc. Right. So we have kind of these yeah. keywords, if you will. It's not exactly the same as something like Hearthstone or other card games, uh, but we have those. But one of the things I like about Marvel Snap is we get kind of these very, uh, you know, we have these general cards, but we have very niche cards, and they can kind of go any direction. Like it's not locked into. Okay, we have to have a keyword for this card. To make it work right it's mm -hmm. an honor it's an unreveal ability but like it's just they they came up with a very unique ability that's very specific to this card it's not like a copy of another card with a slightly different stat line or something like that right um yeah it, it's very unique um i i think you said it's probably one of the stronger cards uh this this month um you know i think it it can play into the synergies you're talking but I almost wonder, you know, this is my personal opinion. You don't have to agree with it. But I think some of the other cards we may be getting later have more versatility, right? They may not be as strong in the, in the area they play, but maybe they can be played in more decks, if that makes sense. Um, so you kind of yeah, yeah, have to balance those two, right? Yeah, like I think some of the other ones have a bit more plug and play feel to them, like uh, Dazzler and the other one, uh, the uh, Shayna. I think those have a bit more plug and play, have a bit more uh, versatility in terms of what decks they can be played into, especially uh, the, uh, the the on reveal one that uh, uh, Shadow King. Shadow King, yes, yes. Um, that one is probably the most versatile of them all. Um, so the Soren is definitely a lot more niche, but is probably the most impactful. Um, second to Shadow King, not counting Zabu because that's season pass. Um, but second to Shadow King, I think being the most impactful to what it could do in the decks that it can go in. But I think Shadow King is probably the best in terms of the versatility. But I, of course, we can talk about that another time. Yeah, I, I think you make a great point. I think it plays into, I mean, you already talked about it. Talk, it plays into the kind of the zero archetype, right? You're trying to use zero yeah. to negate the negative abilities of Ebony Maw, Lizard, Typhoid Mary, Red Skull and kind of lay these high stat cards right they're kind of the best stat lines for the costs you can get but you remove those abilities yep. obviously it's like a zero but for all four and it I, it's unique because it can be in your hand or in your deck right you don't have to like line them up play zero and then play the card right after on turn three you slap down sauron and then you're free to play these cards when you want right yeah um, and i think that's the impact of it that's like something that's pretty impressive uh for a card i think that's why it could be so impactful for that deck because how many times do you play the deck and you just draw zero um and that doesn't necessarily make or break the deck because obviously the deck has some plan b to it typically like venom uh to go in and eat up like typhomary or red skull to make sure you get rid of the downside and then you can um artem zola the venom to go into their lanes to try and win that way of course that is a thing that you can still line up with and that's great and obviously sure he's a powerful card to help double that power as well but being able to have a second effect that's similar to zero to help you get along the way of like 
you know, not having that awkwardness of like, I have to time how I have zero. I have to figure out like when I play, if I'm holding it to like turn four or even turn six to just go zero red skull, which that might be what you have to do at some point. Um, you kind of lose out on that awkwardness and you can kind of freely play your cards like you want to. And that makes your curve way better. Yeah, no, a hundred percent agree. You know, if you have a deck again, it's expensive right now. If you're, we're talking collector's tokens, uh, I don't have personally, I don't have Shuri yet. She's not one of the ones I've purchased, but if you have Shuri, Sauron and zero in a deck, right? You kind of have three enabler cards, right? Cause maybe you yeah. don't get Sauron or zero, but you can use Shuri to buff up that card. So even though red skull still is buffing your, your opponent's cards, uh, you have 30 power right at a location. So you're pretty guaranteed to win that location. Um, and so I think it can be very helpful. Also something worth mentioning uh, a little bit more is the Ebony Maw, right? With zero after turn three, yeah. Ebony Maw can't be played after turn three. So even if you draw Ebony Maw on turn four or five or six, you can't zero into Ebony Maw, but this will allow you to play Ebony Maw on, on turn six, right? So if you're able to negate the ability of Red Skull and Ebony Maw, that's 22 power. You can split between two locations on turn six, right? Yeah, and it's funny, you were talking about how like it gives you three different things or three different cards that can kind of uh, help with your plan, uh, your game plan, um, these enablers, right? And a lot of the decks that we see uh, feature on the tier list here on Snap Zone or just cards that, or decks you see on the ladder that are super effective, uh, things like Electro, Electro Ramp, um, Bayro, uh, stuff like that, like Mr. Negative as well, like Negative Surfer, have all these cards that are in threes of enablers. Negative Surfer has Bast, Mr. Negative, Silver Surfer. Electro Ramp has uh, Psylocke, Electro, and Wave to help get to your big cost stuff. She Hulk has the uh, She Hulk Barrow has the She Hulk Leader Arrow and Death. Uh, so technically four enablers. I know those are finishers, but they're the namesake of the deck that is your big turn six, and you want to have two to three of them to finish on. So getting that third enabler for zero, which we're seeing rise in the ranks on the ladder and as well as the, the actual tier list, is going to be massive for the deck and its impact on the metagame because the success that we've seen in decks in the past is based on that rule of three. Three enablers to kind of get going and make sure you can compete and have the most consistency. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, yeah, I think I think Sauron is a very interesting card. Uh, I think I agree with you. I, I would not save up six thousand collector's tokens and buy this when it's first available. It'd be yeah. one that I'm going to wait till it drops, right? So either I get it in pool four or I even wait till it's in pool three. Not because I don't think it's powerful. I just think there are other things that I'm looking forward to add to my collection. That I think will have more versatility first that I'm willing to spend yep. the credits on or the tokens. Uh, but overall, interesting card. And I also think you know. Uh, we've had a lot of cards like this with uh, Silver Surfer, uh, Zabu being season pass cards, right, in the last two months. These cards only get better when you have more cards added that work with them, right? Of we, course. We don't yeah, have, if you're a big zero player, you can get it, but otherwise I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, eventually we may have a three-cost card. We don't have a three-cost card with, like, negative ongoing ability in the same way. We don't have a six-cost card with a negative mm -hmm. ability, right? They may fill in these spots in the curve with this later, which only enables it more, right? So yeah, exactly. So time will kind of show us how how some of these things may improve. But shifting shifting our thoughts from the new card this week, let, let's talk new location. Uh, the new location this week is an interesting one. I think it it's one of those locations that may get a little out of control, uh, for better or for worse, in the next couple of days. I, I don't yeah. I don't mean that like completely negatively. Just meaning there's so much that can be done. Uh, it feels kind of like. Um, Oh, what's the one that inverts your cards? It's a it's Mister Negative, but it's a location. Oh, um, I know you're talking about. It's like it's like the satellite for like around the Earth. Yeah. Uh, peak. Is yeah, it the, the, the peak? peak. The peak. Is it the peak? I think so. It's something with peak in the name. <laughs> um, also, uh, or like, um, what's the other one that was kind of crazy? Lamentus one, right? There's these things. Yeah. These locations. The peak, the, the peak Lamentus one. There's some of the featured locations we've had in the last couple of months that. It just feels like people are going to come up with some crazy stuff and climb some serious uh, levels on the ladder in the next two days. Yeah, um, and so I, this, I agree. So I'm alluding to this. I guess I should actually say what the location is. The, the location is Altar of Death, and it reads, oh. when you play a card here, destroy it to get plus two energy next turn. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the way that's written and the way I understand it is uh, every time you play a card here, you destroy it. So you can play two cards there and get plus four energy on your next turn. 
Um, uh, again, let me just hear, what are your general thoughts, impressions of this before we dive into all the synergies and thoughts? So it's funny how you, you mentioned Lamentis as another like impactful location similar to this uh, that like it reminds you of. Um, and I, I think a similar deck is one that's going to immediately benefit from it. Obviously destroy decks that want their things destroyed, um, like putting down a Bucky Barnes and just like we've seen that with uh, Death's Domain, right? Putting down a Bucky Barnes or you're playing against someone's destroy deck and you see them do that and you're like, oh, of course, of course I'm going against this deck. Um, but this is one that you're going to want to be uh, taking advantage of. And not only that, if you're playing the Bayro version with Arrow, She-Hulk, and things like that, like Leader, that's going to allow you to play pretty much all those finishers that you want to get a hold of in the same game. And you can probably have some different deck constructions, um, ramp decks as well, Electro Ramp. Playing Electro on that, having it die, getting the plus one energy every turn on top of that, and then the two the next turn. So on three, you get six the next turn so you can play three six drops or three six drops right yeah. and the next uh, for that that game that's that's incredible <laughs> like just dr doom like you know uh leader and then like uh odin you know that that that's that's a win for most decks right unless they cosmo it or whatever so this is gonna have some really funny lines and interesting play patterns that I have a feeling it's going to feel like Lamentus won after a little bit and kind of were, I don't know if you had this feeling, but I know a lot of people I've seen online and myself included, I was kind of sick of the uh, location when it was featured for yeah. that for that week or so. And I was, uh, I think this is going to have a similar effect on me. Uh, it's going to be cool at first, but it, it's going to well, welcome pretty quickly. Yeah, I think I think Marvel Snap fans could agree that some of these locations it, it turns into the longest forty eight hours of your life. Um, I know it feels like a week. Yeah, yeah, every time, and I'm like, this has been around for at least five days, but it's been like a day and a half. <laughs> so, uh, again, I, I've enjoyed some of those locations in moments, right? Uh, I wouldn't say that I haven't, but yeah, I, I think you point out a lot of interesting things. Um, let's let's talk synergies uh, more, like you were saying. I mean, I think Death has a great synergy with this card, obviously. Or this location, yep. uh, I think that's very clear. Uh, destroy decks, things like with Deadpool, right? You can destroy kind of that guaranteed like Death's Domain. You can destroy Deadpool over and over again, but you're also getting plus two energy every time you're doing that. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like a Deadpool ramp deck, right? Oh, so I, I I can't wait for the games where you get the uh, the uh, the labs or whatever to cop uh, the cloning labs, oh, yeah. and you're still like go Deadpool cloning lab, and then you're like okay Deadpool 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 like, yeah, every single Deadpool. Turn. and then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no it's insane i mean then maybe you have moon girl and you keep like oh yeah yeah uh, you play <laughs> yeah i don't even want to think about it um um I, <laughs> see I, this is what i'm saying this is gonna get out of hand and i'm gonna be sick of it by the first three games yeah yeah um electro i think has another obvious uh synergy here yeah uh just like death's domain you uh destroy him so you don't have his negative downside which is you can only play one card a turn um but you uh get that plus one max energy and because you destroyed him you get plus two energy on the next turn right uh yeah so three six drops that's just insane like yeah. that is like that that should win games and i'm probably if i see an electro drop on this location i'm probably gonna retreat uh, i don't want to stick around You're for like, that unless i, I have counters I in hand i don't need yeah i don't need to see the ending of this movie basically yeah uh, I, I know where we're going i know what i'm gonna see yeah uh, another one you brought up that i think is interesting is she hulk right because she hulk's cost starts at six it drops uh by one for every one energy you didn't spend on the last turn so you mm -hmm. can do things like you could play cards into uh, altar of death on turn five and still potentially have yep. her for free on turn six right uh like if yeah if you if you play a two cost card now let's see now i have to do some math uh if you play a one cost card into alters death on turn five you would have mm -hmm. Four energy left over plus the two energy you generate in the next turn right so yep. oh, maybe i'm doing this wrong because you would still get the six energy on turn on turn six Man, you I would get a five cost reduction first so she would drop to a one you'd have eight energy on turn six so you can play her for one and then have seven energy left over to just kind of do whatever yeah to thank you i should never do math on live tv like this uh not <laughs> no you're fine uh but yeah, exactly that, right? So I think she has a kind of an extra buff. Like you get the buff because, uh, you know, maybe you skip turn five or only play certain things on turn five. So you can get her for a lower cost on turn six. And of course, if you've played Moon Girl, you have two copies of her. 
Um, but then it's like you can do that even if she's still one or two cost and still potentially get a six cost card out, right? Uh, without yeah, so that's what I'm, th I'm thinking Barrow's going to be like the all-star deck, right, for this location. Um, and honestly, I would maybe consider... Oh, man, I kind of want to do like something weird, like a, like uh, an infinite style deck with Electro um, and like just in like She-Hulk and like Moon Girl and like just try to like get a big turn on turn four because you're going to have six energy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then just do nothing on five and then drop like multiple She-Hulks, the infinite and like something else like that seems... That seems gross to me. It might be a bit too much, uh, you know, rainbows and sunshine kind of thing of like setting it up, but I got to at least try it. Yeah. Right? I mean, no, I mean, it sounds great, right? Like I, I think, um, uh, a couple more synergies I, I'd like to bring up briefly. Um, I think, uh, professor X is worth talking about, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you can oh, locking this down is awesome. Yeah. yeah. You can potentially able enable him. If you were to play a zero and a one cost card on turn one, you would be able to play them on turn two, which is kind of insane. Now, I do have a question. Um, it The wording says, when you play a card here, destroy it to get plus two energy next turn. So if you were to play Professor X on it, you would not get the energy, correct? Because it correct. says you have to destroy it to get the energy. It's yes. not just playing in here. Yeah, okay. so, so you wouldn't get the extra buff from playing him there, but being able to lock down the location, I think, Especially is worth it, its own right. I mean, you know, you can play him to any location, but if you're playing him on uh, Death's Altar, maybe if you don't have initiative and your opponent goes first, then their cards get destroyed, and then you can lock it down, and they can't play anymore there, right? Yeah. So, so I exactly. Think, I think that's interesting. Um, yeah. So overall, a very interesting location. Um, I I think we're probably. I feel highly confident that our prediction of we may get a little tired of this location. It's going to come true. Um, yeah. And, and I'm assuming once it goes into the normal rotation, it will be in the highest rarity of locations. That would be my assumption. Um, it just feels like one mm -hmm. of those ones they're not going to have show up, you know, uh, more common, like a lot of the locations. I so. would imagine it should be the same rarity as like Lamentus and the yep. peak, right? Yeah. I think those come up guess the warrior, warrior falls now, like, but we'll get to that uh, in a sec. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk that in patch notes for sure. But, um, it feels like one of those to me. Obviously, we'll we'll see what they decide to do, but uh, I feel it's one of those ultra rare locations. Right now, it just says the rare. According to Snapzone, it says the rarity is just rare. Um, I don't know how accurate that is at the moment, or if they're going to change that. Like, what do you do you know offhand what the rarities are of locations by any chance? I haven't actually looked at them. Uh, I forget. Uh, I mean, it's been a long time since I've looked at the terminology. I want to say there's three uh, levels mm -hmm. of rarity. I don't know if it's like common something and then rare is the highest. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that off the top of my head. But I know there are three um, three tiers. And I want to say the highest tier is like, you know, 5% of the time um, or something. It's pretty low yeah. that it has a chance. And then it's obviously like 5% to roll that. But then it's like 5% to roll one of those locations kind of a thing. Um, you're usually not going to have them uh, in, in lots of games, right? Uh, or like multiple yeah. in the same game. So... I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be that, but time will tell. Uh, we'll have to see after it rotates out of um, the high traffic play in the next two days. Yeah. According to Snapzone, it says common, uncommon, rare, ultra rare. Okay. So I think, yeah. So well, I ultra rare is like world ship and an ego. I think those are in the ultra rare category. Uh, yeah. So this, I, I could see this going into rare. I don't think it's like, uh, as kind of crazy as ego or uh, world ship, right? Uh, so I don't think it'll be in the ultra. Rare. I would assume it would be in the rare. I don't want to deviate too much, real quick, before we get into the past notes. I do want to ask you though, because based on my experience, the uh, I know there's District X, which replaces your entire deck with random cards. What's the name of the one that replaces your hand with random cards? Or not replaces, but adds, fills your hand with random cards. Uh, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but it's Treskelion. Treskelion. Okay. How often do you have games where those pop up one after the other? Because it feels like every time I see one of them, the other one is in one of the extra uh, locations. Uh, well, actually, uh, I don't know if you know this, there's secret code in the game that whenever you're wanting to try out a new deck, those locations show up immediately. <laughs> I swear, like every time I see I see the, the first one where it fills your hand up, I'm like, okay, show me District X. 
show me the second location is district X. And it's like, there it is. And I just have a whole different deck. I'm like, all right, yeah, like, let's see what happens. Crap shoot. We'll see what happens. No, I, yeah, I feel like I have seen them together. Uh, but I, I know it's not really this way, but I feel like those locations somehow show up featured for me when I want to try a new deck. And I'm just, I'm, I just want to retreat instantly. Cause I'm like, I am not here to play with random cards. <laughs> I am here to try out the synergies in this deck. I'm testing out. It's like it's like the law of Hello, right? Yeah. You're gonna have her and then discard her every single time. I have seven cards in hand. I have a one in seven chance to discard her to this uh, to this the uh, the Swordmaster, and it, she's gone every time. Yep. You have and to. You where's have to, Invisible Woman? You have to look at the. Why sub, is she not here? The little subtext at the very bottom of the card says, "If in hand, discard immediately." You know. Yeah, exactly. And it's so frustrating. Like I don't. So I, I I don't like playing Hello decks because I'm like it's fun when it goes off. But I, I'm so annoyed by the fact that Hella gets discarded 90% of my games that when it finally goes off, instead of me being like, wow, super cool, I'm like, yeah, I, that's what I expected. Yeah. Where were you the last five games? Uh, I was texting my sister and brother-in-law today. They're both about maybe six or seven cards away from completing pool three. And mm -hmm. uh, my sister still doesn't have Hella as one of her last seven cards. And she says, I, you know, I, I hope I get it soon. I'm excited. I'm like, uh, no, you don't. Yeah, I, I don't know if you should feel that way. Uh, <laughs> You know, I bought her in the toga shop when I was finishing pool three and I, I'm like, you know what? I could have waited. Yeah. Could have yeah. waited. Yeah. Yeah. Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and decklists for all level of players and all collection level of players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. Awesome. Well, let's, <laughs> let, let's jump over to patch notes here. There, there's a lot of interesting things here. Uh, with the latest patch. So let's dive right in. Um, as always, we'll kind of yeah. go top to bottom. Um, patch highlights, new feature, uh, artist credits. You can now tap the variant label above the cards in your collection to see information about who the illustrators are. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on this? I'm excited for it. Okay, again, I come from, a, uh, from playing Magic and there is a huge tie-in to having a love for artists that are featured and magic is prominent for that magic cards on the very bottom left if you don't know or don't play the game always showcase and say the name of the artist who drew the piece or, or created the piece and people have favorites that happen all the time there are people that like try to play commander decks that are entirely consisting of a particular artist and only those cards right it doesn't have to have like a specific theme but there's like yeah that's cool and everyone has artists they like to, you know, like get drawn to. Like uh, a lot of people like Seb McKinnon, uh, even though he had some issues personally that people didn't agree with or whatever. So whatever. Like Johanna Voss, like those kind of things are big, prominent Magic of the Gathering artists. So it's amazing for me to see this come up in another game that I love because I want to give credit to artists. And we have some like, you know, like Dan Hip. Like everyone knows like the Dan Hip variants. People like try to make those like the chibi variants where they want to have like the same, like you've seen that, right? With yep. like decks of yep. like only TBs or only Dan Hip cards. And now you can kind of have another element of that where it might not be as prevalent because some of these artists are, might not be featured as much, but it's great to know, like I'm going to keep a lookout because I love this art style and I want to see if this continues or I get another card from this artist that I like. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of gives you that opportunity without having to go to a website like Marvel Snap Zone and look up the artist. You can, you know, you can go find that artist yeah. on Twitter. You can follow them. You can support them in their career, which I think is awesome. Very excited for that. Um, and it shows illustrator and stuff too, right? It's not just the artist. It's like everyone who is involved like in creating the art. I believe so. Yes. Like I think it has like three names. So that's cool too. That's another layer I like. Yeah. Uh, I want to always give credit where it's due, right? Of course. Uh, going into general updates, we'll read through these. We may pause on a couple of these. Uh, the collection view automatically filters to your favorite variants when editing a deck. That's nice to have. Oop. When cards trigger each other in a loop that lasts too long, the game will now fast forward to the end of the loop. We're looking I at love you. it. I yeah. love it so much. And, and I love they say, we're looking at you, Wong Onslaught Mystique Ironheart. Uh, yeah, there's... There's nothing worse than uh, like sitting there and like you know you've lost off the first reveal and you're like maybe they don't have it kind of thing. 
Um, and you kind of sit there and you have to watch this loop of Ironheart or like Silver Server or something like that just go through like 20 different activations, especially when they go like, you know, Odin and that kind of thing too. And you're like, please, I know I lost. Let me leave. Yeah. But you have to sit there and watch. Yeah, that's that's where you uh, kill the game and then uh, come back in after it's resolved, hopefully. But or I don't know. Does it make you... I don't think it makes you rewatch it if you kill the game, but... Um, I don't think so. I usually... I kind of just, like, look away and I, I do something else for the next three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, welcome change. We've been waiting on that one for a long time. Yeah. Um, we have a card that was... Uh, originally supposed to be in series four when we got the token shop, but uh, there was some kind of bug, but Orca's issue has been fixed and the card is now in series four. And, and just a refresher for listeners, obviously we haven't talked about Orca in a long time. Orca is a six cost, nine power card with the ability ongoing plus five power if this is your only card here. What are your, uh, we don't, we don't, I don't want to dive into it too much, but what, what's your thought on Orca yeah. real quick? I wish it wasn't fixed because I'm dreading pulling this in my series four like option into cash, mm-hmm. like uh, especially um, with the news we have later to go over. But um, I, I don't think this card's good. Like Namor's not played. This is like a slightly better Namor, but I don't even know if you can call it that because it's a six drop. So I'm not a fan of it. I don't think it's going to be very good. Um, I personally think that Namor is one of those cards that needs a buff because mm-hmm. uh, it just isn't really played much at all. Um, and I would think Orca in the same vein, but when they announced this card, I was like, oh, Namor's not getting a buff at all then because they're just fine with it. Yeah. I, uh, I just, I don't, I don't like the card. I, I think it's not the strongest card. It's like, it's like Giganto or Giganto, however you pronounce it, uh, right? When it has its buff, it's 14 yeah. power for six cost. But, ooh, Giganto. Oh, it's not. Damn. I, I, I forgot it's not ongoing. It's the, it's just the text. I, Man, if it was ongoing, that'd be a great card for Sauron. Yeah, I just thought of. Yeah, no, but I, I <laughs> yeah, no, I, w- I wish it was. But uh, Orca, my thoughts, it, it's uh, it's Giganto, but you can play it anywhere, and instead of just being able to be Shang Chi, you can also Enchantress it. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that great? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is another card that most people will be looking to buy in the token shop. You're just gonna wait till it's down into series three, pool three, and just open it out of a reserve or a cash. I mean, pull one with Namor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Where, that's where it should be. Uh, but uh, we we will see what people try to work out with Orca. Um, next, we have Russian language support added. Great to see more languages Ooh. added to the game. Uh, for new players who want to jump right in, we're releasing a one-time purchase pro bundle with twelve thousand five hundred credits and enough boosters to upgrade eight cards from common to infinity. What they don't mention here is that it is a hundred dollars in USD. Yep. Um, I don't want to dive too much into this. I, I, I'm sure there's a lot we could say about costs of bundles and stuff, but um, I don't know. What's your uh, you know, one or two sentence feelings on this? I've seen both sides where people say like, if it's not for you, don't buy it. Uh, people are saying like, it's just way overpriced. I'm of the camp of it's a mobile game and it's going to have these prices and that's just how it works. That's how it functions. It's mm-hmm. the state of gaming we're in now. But at the same time, your clientele and your, your like you know the people you want to pull into your game isn't mobile game players i feel like i think it's primarily card players hearthstone players magic players my, like myself other games that flock to this game first so i feel like the the pricing needs to be adjusted at some point but i don't i don't see it will be if you want it and you want to skip the entirety of pool 2 for example cool but it's just a weird product to me that's like hard to sell to new players that might not be solely invested in the game yet. And then players like you or myself who are done with pool three and trying to get series four and five cards. It's not for us either. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything for us. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's a weird product. Yeah. It, it like technically will speed up some things, but it also like it doesn't feel like it's speeding up because it's like you're you're using real money to buy one currency that will allow you to get other currency, which is tokens, right? It's like, um, it yeah. just kind of feels, uh, not like, and how many really tokens helping. would you even get in 250 levels? Like, I don't think it's that much. I don't, it's certainly not enough for a series. Well, uh, five card, right? Yeah. I mean, how many, we have a cash every 12 levels, right? Or a reserve. Um, yeah. So that's like 20 reserves opened. And in every so maybe a series four card. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if you like, I'm not gonna do all the math right now, but essentially you'd maybe get like one card out of it, 
Yeah. And a bunch of variants. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Last thing here in the general section. Reserves now reward different amounts of collector's tokens once you collect all Series 3 cards. The individual amounts vary from two to 600 instead of only 400. However, the token earning rate remains the same. So I think this is uh, this is one of those, hey, we're going to make your uh, your brain feel better because sometimes you're going to open up a really big one. But it sounds like over like seven or ten reserves, you actually get the same amount. They have some kind of code in there to like make it so you get the same amount as before. It's really just the like um, the mind games that games play with us, right? It just makes us feel good when we roll high. And yep. it kind of builds up that excitement for, oh, am I going to get a 600 one next time, right? Um, yeah. So it's just it's just gaming psychology. It's it's nothing that exciting other than this is just what games do, right? Is my thought. I still got excited when I pulled 400. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yay. Like, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference for me, but. Yeah. Uh, quick things. We'll, we'll kind of throw through. We'll kind of go through these fast. Uh, new location sounds for Asgard and Daily Bugle. New card sounds for Arrow and Polaris. And art and visual effects. We got new uh, art and visual effects for Arrow and Polaris. So they're getting some love, getting some updates. But let's dive into... Feels cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I like them that they're continually innovating on this. Um, It's like a big whoosh. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that they're not just leaving things and they know they can improve certain things, kind of go back and show some love to cards that have been out for a while, right? Yep, I agree. Uh, let's dive into the the meat here, which is the balance updates. Um, interested to hear your thoughts because you know I think some of these make a lot of sense. I think there's some that online people felt are a little more controversial of not buffing enough or not nerfing mm-hmm. enough. So let's go one by one and, and hear your thoughts. So arrow uh, is going from a five eight to a five seven. Uh, we all know arrow is a very uh, good disruption card. Arrow will move all cards uh, that the, your opponent played that turn to the location where arrows played if there are slots available. So this is nerfing the power to, obviously she keeps her ability, but uh, hopefully makes her not quite as strong uh, as she has been. What are your thoughts? I don't play arrow for the uh, for the power mostly. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's relevant oftentimes, like it can be. Uh, a 5-8 is definitely nothing to scoff at. It's still a very good card, arguably one of the best cards in Snap, if not the best card. Uh, you play it for the disruption, the movement. Um, and I don't think this is going to change much in that regard. I don't think Arrow needs any f- real big other nerfs. If they revert her back to a 5-6, is what I'll say, or even like a 5-5, five, five, I'd still play her. I don't think she'd be nearly as good, of course. But again, the disruption is why you play her. So they can nerf her down to 5-5 five, five for all I care, and I'll still play her, and I think she'll still be one of the if not the best card in snap for her ability alone yeah i think we'll see a pattern here there's some cards that uh were nerfed quote unquote right uh but i think they're trying to take a gradual approach right uh which i know there's some strong feelings either way online people some people say oh it's fine some people say oh this is you know they're being horrible they're not you know balancing the game right etc um but i think they're trying to not just like jump and just completely rewrite cards they, they want to take a uh, kind of a slow approach and see uh, if just, you know, lowering power by one or two really um, kind of balances things out. So saying that, let's dive into the next card, which is Galactus. Galactus is a six cost, three power card, but is now, or it was, and it now is a six cost, two power card. Retains the same ability on reveal. Destroy the other locations if it's the only card at the current location where you're playing it. Um, I feel similarly to what you said about Arrow on this one. I don't think... This really changes the card that much. What are your thoughts? I mean, I've seen the talk around saying this is actually a buff, and I've actually been swayed to kind of agree with it a little bit because the big thing about Galactus is most of the time in these decks, you do not want priority or initiative or whatever you want to call it. Um, and this makes a pretty big uh, deal because uh, now you can't have your big null or anything like that or your big finisher draw uh, to end the game get you know hit by enchantress if that's relevant or shang chi more importantly and then on top of that the other line that you usually have is like wave on three galactus on four spider-man on five big thing on six and this reduction of one power doesn't matter because now you're forcing your opponent to say okay can you beat me with whatever you played on five more often than not no 
So I don't see how this does anything. I don't think Galactus is really a card that needs to be really adjusted in its like ability or what it does. I think it's a cool idea. But I understand people can get annoyed with it. It's also just really usually telegraphed. And as people get, as we get more people into pool three and, you know, approaching the higher levels of pool three or finishing pool three, they're going to be more familiar with this. And that issue that they claim of it's sometimes not telegraphed, I think it is. I think they're wrong in the developer comment. Um, I think that's just the fact that there's not enough players exposed to it. And that's the frustration of it. Otherwise, this doesn't do much. Yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I don't want to make anybody feel, you know, upset or, or, or sad if they disagree. You're you're welcome to disagree with their thoughts, but you know, if you see a wave on three and an immediate snap, right? It's pretty mm-hmm. could it's pretty likely that they're going to play uh, Galactus. If you see uh, Psylocke on five and a snap, uh, similar thing could be, or sorry, Psylocke on four to play Galactus on five, or yeah. if you see like. Um, uh, Electro played in a, in a snap immediately, right? Oh, especially with this new location too. Electro on three is a Galactus on four. Yep, exactly. So if you if you see snaps immediately, probably the best thing to do is retreat, lose one cube, move on to the next game. Um, I yeah, mean, not just, you know there are the situations maybe you can play Arrow, especially with this new location, right? You could play Arrow, Arrow Galactus into a different location. You could play Cosmo, right? There, there are counters, right? I'm not saying. If your opponent has Galactus, you have to retreat. But if you don't have those counters, you don't need to go to the next turn to see what would have happened, right? Um, yeah, I agree. So yeah, I, I'd have to agree. I don't. I like the flavor of Galactus. I like that it's a unique card. No other card does anything like this. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe this is a little bit of a placebo nerf, right? Maybe people will. Some people will play it less because of the less of the lower power, even though it doesn't really change it that much. I do want to ask you real quick. Um, because it's the, you're talking about like the idea of like just retreat, lose your one cube, that kind of thing. I've had a lot of friends because, of course, me coming from the background, I was like a magic like content creator and all that stuff. A lot of my people I talk to are like within that space, and a lot of them that have jumped to Marvel Snap, a good chunk of them do not like the snap mechanic because it allows for games to not be finished. And there's a lot of retreats, and it leads for like this empty feeling for them. Um, and I agree on some sense. I disagree on other uh, other ideas. Um, do you think that's part of it as well for the reason Galactus is so annoying, I guess, for newer players or people that are climbing through their collection and getting to the point of seeing Galactus played against them where they want to, you know, they come from games like Magic or like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh where games are finished. There's not as much scooping or, or like, uh, like conceding unless it's clear and obvious towards the end game that you can't come back but you have typically games two and three because it's a match to kind of continue battling and making it so you have that empty feeling of like, I didn't finish the game and it's kind of, I don't like that. Do you think that's a part of it for why Galactus is so, I guess, hated for a lot of people? A hundred percent. I I think that is, again, our opinions. Uh, it sounds like our opinions align with this one. Um, I think it feels bad because it is, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, it's it's telegraphed. It's easy. Yeah. It's easier for you and me who have been playing for so long, right, and, and have a background with maybe other card games, right? Maybe it's easier for for us to catch on to this, right? There's a lot of you know, uh, casual players, and and you know, they're maybe they're not every. playing every day, right? And and that can feel very frustrating, right? It's like I didn't see this coming. Uh, he snapped. Maybe I had snapped earlier in the game because I thought I was doing good. And then you're losing lots of cubes every game you're playing against him, right? Um, and that can just feel bad. It can feel very discouraging, right? Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the bigger things. Now, I think this is a good transition point to our next card because I maybe feel a little different on this one, which is Leader. Leader yep. was, was a six-cost, four-power card. Is now a six-cost, three-power card. So, again, we see that one-power nerf. Leader's retaining the ability. It's going to copy, play all the cards that your opponent played, right? Uh, obviously, there are still counters to leader, but I feel like maybe not quite as many as Galactus, and sometimes it's not as telegraphed because leader can go into so many different deck styles as just like an extra six drop to throw down. Um, that mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just really, you're like, okay, all their other cards make me think it's this archetype, but then all of a sudden leader pops out of nowhere. 
Um, I think, yeah, like the move, for example, I've had that happen to me. I'm like, it's turn six. I'm like, okay, I'm doing the math for Heimdall, and then they go leader. I'm like, where, what, yeah. why? So why I are think, you playing this? I think leader has more versatility than Galactus does, which kind of yeah, makes absolutely. it makes it less telegraphed. So I think that can be extra frustrating. I think, you know, in a lot of cases, like leader is like, okay, if you're winning two locations by enough power, you can play leader and win, right? Obviously, Cosmo can block that his on reveal ability. But not every deck has Cosmo. Not every deck's going to have Cosmo in the right location, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, there are certain deck types that you're playing, right? They, like, if you have certain ongoing abilities or you're playing something like Silver Surfer and they don't have a bunch of three-cost cards on their board, right? It's like there are certain decks that play better against leader. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, in some ways, you know, you could argue, you know, it's not completely overpowered because... There are counters, there are decks that play better against it. But I think leader is just um I think I, I think he's still just too good of a card. I think uh, you know, it discourages from trying new things or from like, you know, really strategizing. It's just kind of like I'm gonna, you know, throw cards down and just throw down leader and expect to win every time. Which doesn't happen every time, but that's how it feels mm-hmm. for me. Would love to hear your thoughts and if you think uh, more is needed here. So we do need to pro- provide a little context to this because <clears throat> when this patch note leaked yeah. uh, a few days ago, Ben Bro did address it on Twitter saying that, hey, the patch notes on the for leader saying it's just going from a 6-4 to a 6-3 and, you know, we may look at it. He's like, that was worded incorrectly. It's supposed to mean this is a stopgap uh, nerf and we're going to change it later, but we don't know how yet. We're still looking at that. So there are more changes to leader to come primarily to his ability, I would assume. I think leader personally is a double-edged sword. It's a card that I think is necessary for a game like Snap, especially with the prevalence of these cards that we're seeing come in the season pass and new cards into the uh, into the meta being primarily Silver Surf Zabu, right? Mm-hmm. These Sarah Miracle Zabu decks that want to kind of do this vomit on turn six where they play, you know, four to, or, you know, five cards all at once and then have this huge power output to finish the game. Same thing with like uh, Bayro. And Leader has a place to stop those in most cases. I know you say that, um, like, and it's true that Silver Surfer decks and Zabu decks oftentimes can uh, effectively uh, counteract Leader, but at the same time, if Leader's able to grab some of these three-cost cards in the Surfer deck and pump them himself, yep. that can be a way to counter that as well. I think that's where the Leader deserves a place. Where Leader feels bad for me, and for a lot of players, is when you're playing a singular card. If you're going to go like, you know, Gal- not Galactus, I'm sorry, uh, Magneto, or Dr. Doom or something like that, a singular card to just beat, beat a, like finish your turn six, right? Or even a Hulk. And leader happens to play it in the same lane, or in the case of Dr. Doom, um, just counteract your single card. That can be frustrating. For me, I think I would, my idea for leaders change. I want him to still be prevalent enough in, like, to counteract these vomit decks, especially I would imagine we're going to see more of these types of cards designed in the future. And I think that's where he belongs. So I would like them to change leader to say, on reveal, if your opponent has played two or more cards this turn, copy them to your side. That way it still is a place to counteract those vomit style decks. Because otherwise, I think the top of the meta would just be primarily those type of decks. Bayro, Surfer, and like Zabu decks. And we're already kind of seeing that even with leader in place. But if you make it so if you it doesn't counteract the single six drop card or a single card being played, then that leaves a little leeway of no, no longer any feel bads and not having this catch all six drop to just beat any deck. It has a place, stops the vomit decks, but it doesn't stop the turn six Magneto, the turn six Hulk event or stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a lot of great points. I think, you know, they basically have stated, like you say, they're going to continue looking at this card. I think you bring up a very interesting suggestion for change. And as we all know, all the developers at uh, Second Dinner listen to this podcast. So uh, that's what I always <laughs> say. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if any of them do, but... Uh, we have Ben Brode on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, well, 
I'm 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 trying to get somebody from Second Dinner on. Actually, that's uh, maybe a little sneak peek for listeners. Uh, trying to co- coordinate that right now. So, uh, hope to have that in the future. But, um, yeah, uh, we've said a lot about leader. We'll move on to the next cards, but uh, still more to come there. I think in the future. Um, let's let's kind of power through these last ones. These are the uh, I guess we have one more nerf, quote unquote, and then um, and then several buffs. Let me read through all of them, and then let's just pick out the ones that kind of stand out to us the most, just so we can make sure we get through all our topics today. So Nova, <laughs> uh, Nova retains the same ability. Nova is gone from a one cost two power card to a one cost one power card. Uh, Drax and Groot, who share the same ability, where if you, your opponent played a card here this turn, they get uh, a certain amount of power buff. So Drax has gone from a four four to a four five, and Groot has gone from a three three to a three four. And both their power buffs have gone down by one. So uh, Drax was power- powered up by four, but now it's three. Groot was powered up by three, and now it's two. So very similar changes there. Hazmat has gone from a two-cost, one-power card to a two-cost, two-power card. Retains the same ability of lowering uh, all the attack uh, on every card on the board. Uh, Black Cat has gone from a three-cost, six-power card to a three-cost, seven-power card. Retains the same ability. And then Nakia has gone from a three cost one power card to a three cost two power card, retaining the same ability of buffing the two cards in the leftmost part of your hand by two power each. Um, yep. What's the first one that stands out to the mo- to you the most of these remaining changes? I think Nova uh, going from a one two to a one one. I think that affects a bit more than people realize. Um, it seems like a weird nerf for a lot of people, and it seems kind of like out of nowhere. And I understand that their idea behind it, like of just He's stronger than the average one drop. But my thing is this. The reason you see like Squirrel Girl, for example, on a lot of like destroy decks is because playing Squirrel Girl on one and gaining that priority more likely than not, right? Allows you to onto like Carnage comfortably or like keep stacking your side of the board to gain that advantage and that, uh, that priority to make sure that you can sacrifice your own stuff or destroy your own things without worrying about them dropping a Cosmo or destroy against you because you'll flip first. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go... no, because And same thing with Nova applies, albeit a little more coin flippy. If, you, if I go Nova on one, I have a 1-2, my opponent plays something like Iceman. That's also a 1-2. Now it's a 50-50 shot of who gets priority because we're tied, right? So there's a chance I can still dodge that but now if i play nova on one especially because you want to play nova before like deadpool if you're playing that style deck too because you want to buff him now you're guaranteed to lose priority on turn two which usually nova even though it's played with a killmonger package in a lot of decks usually screams a destroy of some kind and having your opponent get the priority to immediately snipe your nova uh, i guess for lack of a better phrase cover it with an armor or cosmo in that lane completely changes a lot of ways the games we played for destroy i think this is a way more impactful than people realize yeah uh that's a great point uh i hadn't really thought about that but that is that is probably the most the more significant change than than just looking at it from like a power perspective right because yeah you you know if you do get nova off and you have you know however many cards on the board you get that plus plus that many power so like if you have six other cards on the board Essentially, you're getting Nova as a one seven, right? You're getting the one. Pa- yep. Well, you lose Nova, right? So you, it's like a one six, right? Uh, a power yeah. on the board, which is great. I mean, that's a great stat line, but that priority, you know, is a significant change that could affect a lot of games and kind of nerf uh, the destroy archetypes. Um, the one that I I'd like to bring up really quick um, is mm-hmm. the Nakia, and that is because I think this buff does not make nikia very playable still um I, I absolutely agree my again going back to i was texting i had my marvel snapchat with my extent my extended family some of my siblings and talking with my sister sister and brother-in-law today and you know they're like oh great buff for nikia um and i said yeah but you know great she has more power but like i just think it's so inconsistent by only buffing the cards in the leftmost of your hand um, mm-hmm. because you know, you draw the cards in random order. It's going to be great sometimes where you have like brood in the left side of your hand, right? You're going to get the extra two power on brood or, um, you know, something that you're going to maybe moon girl. So then it's like, you get two copies of it. And it has more power, right? Um, 
but it just still it just I, I just think the consistency is not there um I this maybe would still be too powerful but I think I'd love to see her still buff all the cards in your hand but uh maybe yeah, it's only, maybe it's only by one uh instead of two or maybe she can only be played on you know on or before a certain turn right um, so you can't like, wait. I, th- I think even getting her down to a two, if you keep her this way is like the most left hand cards in your hand. Um, I think dropping her to two costs, making her a two one would be more impactful than making her a three two. Yes. Cause that at least gives you some more flexibility in the hand size that you have. Um, without like you getting to the point in the mid game where you just start like skipping turns or like drawing a bunch or whatever, if you don't curve out. I don't. I I agree with you 100. This this does virtually nothing. No one cares about her being a three one or even a three two now because that's not why you play her. The same reason you don't play Scorpion for being a two two. You play it to hit your opponent's hand and get some kind of advantage on the board in the late game. And this doesn't do anything to help that. Yeah. Yeah. So so interesting changes all around. I I'm interested to see. They said uh, in a tweet I think today or maybe it's in the patch notes. I can't remember. They basically said, uh, you know, we made some minor changes, not as many changes this time around. We're looking at additional changes, uh, potentially to some of these cards, to some other cards as well. So I think uh, we don't get a lot of, we don't see like a ton of buffs and nerfs in every patch. It sounds like they're they're planning kind of a follow-up patch at some point that will have more changes. Uh, I hope so, because I'm starting to get a little concerned with... We talk about early on when we look at patch notes or like buffs and like nerfs and things like that, um, When ever since the official launch, because we don't really see any like uh, actual changes to the abilities, and that's the thing that makes most of the cards playable or not. And these little... Like this, this philosophy that they've demonstrated of just tweaking power is starting to just concern me for the future of like changing the cards so i hope they take a much closer look to actual cards themselves and give them you know effective changes like cards like black bolt or like uh like even um wolverine for example some like some cards like that it just some cards it's enough to change the power other cards you need a complete redo of the design mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and you want to take your time with that right you don't want I don't want the developers rushing into that and, and making something that's going to be worse or just not fun. Uh, so, I, so I'm okay with them taking their time, but um, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, really quickly, we're, we're about out of time and I want to make sure we have enough time for our last topic. Uh, some kind of, uh, I'm just going to list through these. We won't talk about them, but we have location updates and then bug fixes. Sometimes there's kind of some shadow buffs or nerfs here. So I'll go over the ones that stand out to me. Oscorp Tower will no longer swap card sides if Professor X is there. Makes a lot of sense. Um. Uh, where was the next one? Fix an issue that caused some card buffs to not be added if there were multiple doubling effects active at the same time. I always want the text on cards and locations to make sense and work the way we expect, so that's good. Um, yep. uh, fix an issue where certain locations stalling the game. Warrior Falls in Gamma Lab, that's nice. Uh, a couple more here. Um, updated Time Stone to grant energy even if it's destroyed. So that's kind of a mini shadow buff to Thanos and the Time Stone. Mm-hmm. So that, that's good to know. Um, let's see if there's anything else in here that stands out as kind of like a shadow. I think there was one more. Um, there was the Attila one, right? The one where it's like some, it, they fixed it where it no longer like just causes your game to freeze yep. or take like 20 minutes to load. That was yep. a big one to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that I think that was the last one that kind of stood out to me. So, yeah, some interesting changes. Uh, I always like to read through the bug fixes because there's some things we kind of miss. They're not really buffs or nerfs, but you know when you kind of think about it, they are. So, just wanted to cover those briefly. But let's dive into our last topic. We've only got a couple minutes left here, and so we'll just kind of uh, highlight this. But we did get notice of our first drop. They're calling it a drop, a series drop, which to me at first felt like a new series of cards is dropping, yeah. but it's actually cards dropping from series five to series four. I, I, I call them pools, pool four, pool five, more often than I call them series. Uh, I interchange them way too much. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe just for the sake of making it sound a little clearer here, we'll talk pools. So we are getting uh, five cards dropping from pool five to pool four and four cards dropping from pool four to pool three. They are targeting January 31st, which is also the target of the patch that is bringing us the battle mode. And the card- and my birthday. Happy oh, birthday present ha- for me. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, <laughs> that'll be great. Uh, the cards dropping from from pool five to pool four are Super Scroll, Shuri, Black Panther, Valkyrie, and Bast. And the cards dropping from pool four to pool three is She-Hulk, Absorbing Man, Titania, Luke Cage. Uh, I have two main questions for you. One, which card from each of these pools that are dropping are you most excited for dropping? Whether that's because you, you're going to get them or just you're excited for more people to get them quicker. And if they continue with this structure of only doing it once a month of dropping it instead of like weekly drops of one card moving down from each pool to the next pool, uh, do you like this structure better where it's kind of once a month bunch of drops or would you rather just see it on a weekly basis? Okay, so first question, um, when it comes to like which one I'm most excited for, I already own all of the ones that are dropping from four to three, being She-Hulk, Absorber Man, Titania, and Luke Cage. Same, same. She-Hulk is insanely important to be a pool three card for a huge number of reasons. It's one of those cards that flexes into your decks pretty easily because it's like, hey, I don't know this last slot. I'm just going to throw in this really good card that sometimes just works out with my curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to open up you know, Bayro, which is other than She-Hulk is all pool three. So that's great for those players. And then Shuri. Um, I, I also Valkyrie and Bass are great, but Shuri is the one that's really impactful, really powerful and dropping it on a little bit to, you know, ease the, uh, the cost is super important. So those are my two picks for each of the uh, series drops. As far as what I rather it be a monthly thing or a weekly thing, I'm okay with it being monthly. I just want them to announce it a bit more in advance. We got a three-week mm-hmm. notice now with this uh, after this patch notice uh, today. I'm hoping that they're able to do it with the announcement of the season pass and those cards every month because I feel bad a little bit for players. Like I just bought She-Hulk at 3000 uh, a couple of days ago, um, it, but I'm not too worried about it. It's fine. It's a great card. I'm not too upset about that. Yep. But there are a lot of players who do that for series five cards, like someone that just got Shuri or Bast for their negative server deck and that kind of thing. So a little bit more of a heads up, like a month in advance, basically. Like, hey, next month we're doing this, Have fun. or end of the month we're doing this. That gives enough room for people to kind of start putting together their tokens, start hoarding them and developing an idea of like, when they want to prioritize, do they want it now at a premium cost or they do, do they want to wait a month? And I think that's an important, you know, piece of information for players. Yeah. I like what you're saying. Basically you're saying, you know, whether it's month, weekly, we, we need some consistency, right? And, and yeah, some, exactly. and some, um, a preview ideally that's consistent, you know, same time every month, we know what's going to happen. So if it's variable, then it's like, oh, well, this month we had four weeks notice, but next month we only have two weeks notice, and that would feel kind of bad, right? Uh, yeah. so, so I agree that. Exactly. I'll say, you know, whether it's weekly or monthly, uh, essentially it's semantics a little bit because, uh, you know, with the rate you're able to get credits, like if one new one is dropping every week, it's not like you're going to be able to get that new one every week mm-hmm. from Series 5 down to Series 4, right? Uh, so if it drops all the month, then it's like you can spend the next month working on getting a couple of them, right? Um, exactly. And eventually they'll drop lower, right? The ones dropping from pool five to pool four this month, end of this month will eventually drop to pool three, right? So um, in the end, I think it'll work out. I think it's going to feel better. The token shop will feel better now that we're going to start having these drops. And it sounds like they're going to be doing them monthly for now, at least. So at least we kind of know that that's going to happen and you can kind of plan accordingly. Like there's one you want to wait, but you uh, you know, you want to get, but you don't want to spend quite as much on, you can kind of expect things to be moving right over the course of months. So that, that is good. And I think it will help that, uh, that currency and that system feel a little better. Yeah. And one thing I do want to make sure that our listeners are aware of is they did say that, um, Thanos and Galactus will not, at least at the, at the time, they, they do not plan to drop those at all, ever, because they want them to be the big bads and that, that they think that's fitting. So if you're holding out hope for Galactus or Thanos getting cheaper, don't hold your breath. You're going to have to save up for those at 6000 at the time of this recording and the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to, yeah, I, I could see them doing it at some point, right? Like, uh, yeah, maybe a year, maybe for the year anniversary of the token shop. Yeah. I could see that because I could see them switching them out. Right. With some other big villains, uh, mm-hmm. uh, King, the conqueror, right. 
Uh, I could see oh, that yeah. being one that replaces one of them, but not until like six or 12 months have passed. Right. And then that one stays in for a really long time. Um, but we'll just have to see what they have planned for that in the long term. Um, yep. We are out of time. Uh, so just to close us off here, I just want to get kind of your general impression. How are you feeling about uh, this is a lot. We talked about new card, new location. Yeah. We had a patch today. Uh, we have, you know, now more knowledge about how cards are going to move down through the pools. How are you feeling about what the developers are doing? You know, um, are you feeling, uh, you know, are you trusting in them? Do you feel like that we're in a good spot or do you have some concerns? I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of this game and I'm passionate. I've, I've, I've invested some money personally into the game, um, for the sake of like writing articles and like being sort of a content creator in some regard. So of course I'm going to have some concerns, uh, but that goes for any game that you love as a person, right? If mm-hmm. you're a fan of something, you have concerns. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, the sky is falling. So I'm mostly optimistic about future holds. Uh, I do want to see a bit more clarity, transparency. I, I wish there was more things. Like, for example, the thing that you said earlier about them tweeting about uh, how this patch note is a light one and they plan on doing a more of a substantial one at some point or like bigger like changes. That was news to me. And I wish that was in the patch note at the end of it. Like, just mm-hmm. say that mm-hmm. or start it with that. Give us more communication and transparency about what you're doing within a certain reason. We don't need to know everything that's going on, but enough that makes a difference to us players, uh, your investors, basically, your clients, you know, the people that are keeping the game going. Um, but outside of that, I do have hope for the future. I do like the series drops. I do like the promise of actually making more significant changes to cards in the future, or at least taking that into an idea. And I think this is going to be a good year for Marvel Snap um, overall. I, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, as far as the communication goes, sometimes it's a little piecemeal. You have to go look at the patch notes. You have to go look at Twitter. You have to go look at the Discord. That can be a little frustrating. Yeah. So I would agree with you. I'd love to see just a little more streamlined where everything's kind of all available in the same place. That would be great. Um, but we are out of time, as I said. So uh, Bradsfer, want to thank you again for being on the show. I uh, want to just give you one last chance. Tell uh, tell our listeners where they can find you online, how they can best support the content you're putting out. So like I said, I do content for Playing Pioneer and the PlayX Network and the Magic the Gathering world of things, as well as Marvel Snap Zone. Uh, I do a podcast called The Pioneer Perspective every single week. Um, my ads on everything for social media is Bradsifer, B-R-A-D-C-I-F-E-R. So you can find me on that. And if you really want to support the show if you in, uh, for the Pioneer Perspective, we do have a Patreon for that if you're so inclined. But people just listening is enough of a support in my eyes. So that helps a big deal. And I'm just happy to be here. And I love Marvel Snap. And I'm thankful to have, uh, have, have you had me on. Yeah. And we will plan to have you back on another time in the future. So. Uh, Listeners, as always, thank you for listening. We will catch you in the next episode. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.